Well, what is going on, everybody? Pastor Chris in the house, and I'm so excited to be with you. Another week, another episode of the Continuing the Conversation podcast. And what an incredible word we heard on the last episode from our pastor, Pastor Matthew Hartsfield. And as we continue on this podcast, I, I kind of felt as though as we entered into a week of community groups here at the Harbor, that we should take a pause from our refocus collection and just enter into a moment of understanding community here at the Harbor. And so I want to take this episode to discuss what community groups look like, why community groups matter to us here, and what that means for you, the listener. And so if you missed Tuesday night, I'd encourage you to listen to this episode and then also encourage you to get connected into one of our community groups. We have community groups that meet throughout the week and it's amazing what happens when you get connected. You end up growing in relationship with others, in your relationship with Jesus. And so I cannot encourage you enough. Get connected into that. So with that said, let's jump in to this week's episode. Well, again, we're going to be in a moment of just taking a break from our refocus uh, collection. And I want to discuss what it looks like to be in a community group tonight, as I said in the introduction. And so we're going to look at a portion of scripture found in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. So if you have a Bible, you want to open that up. That's where we're going to be is Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 42. I don't know about you, but when I think about the year 2020, there was a lot that happened in that year. It seems like, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it seems like it was so long ago. It seems like it was years ago, maybe because it was, but we all during 2020, I feel like when, when we start that year, every time we start a year, there's always something or maybe there's a word or maybe there's something that we want to accomplish that year. And so we set out to say, hey, this year we're going to do this. Well, that completely changed in the year 2020. And we learned a lot about us as human beings, a lot about us as people. Individually, individually we learned a ton about us who we are, and most importantly, I would probably argue that we learned that we enjoy not just connecting with people, but being in proximity to people, being with people face-to-face, together. We recognized how important that was in our lives. Do you remember uh, what it was like to constantly be on Zoom calls? Whether you were in school or in class or, or, or churches were trying to figure this out, right? We're doing Facebook Live. We're doing Instagram Live. We're doing online church. You know, we're doing Zoom classes for our small groups. We, all, we did it here at the Harbor. We had to figure out 
how to do life together, how to do church together, how to do ministry together, how to just do everything together without actually being in proximity to people. And I would probably say that that was the biggest thing we learned about ourselves as humans, that even though we live in a time where where connectivity is at an all-time high, we can be connected with another individual halfway across the world through our cell phones, through FaceTime, through Zoom, through computers. I mean, technology is incredible. I'm so grateful that we have and had technology to do that. I'm grateful that I can connect with somebody on the other side of the coast and I can talk to them and be face-to-face kind of really with them and yet not be in proximity. I think that's really, really cool. Yet, even in the fact that that's really, really cool, to me, it doesn't replace the need to be across from somebody in proximity. I learned that it doesn't replace the need for human interaction in proximity. I believe we are hardwired for community. We're hardwired to be in proximity to people. Now, here's the deal. I'm not hating on digital church. I think there's a great need for digital church. I think when you hear this, please do not hear me say that I think online church is terrible. I think it's a great tool. It's a great uh, opportunity. In fact, we've got an online uh, tool for Bay Hope Church here in Tampa. We use it. It's an incredible tool for those who are unable to be a part physically with our community. Um, and it's also a great way to introduce what our church believes, how we interact with each other. And so it's a, it's a great tool to use. I'm not hating on that. However, I think what 2020 taught us, even with all of those things that we utilized, all those tools that we utilized for online work, what it really, really taught us is that we were made as people, as humanity, to be in proximity with each other, to build up this community. And I would also add to that the statistics that have just recently come out, just the stats on loneliness. Now, this is some stats uh, from the Harvard Graduate School of Education and an article that they wrote. And the title of that article is Loneliness in America, How Pandemic Has Deepened an Epidemic of Loneliness and What We Can Do About It. So this is an article that they wrote some of the uh, statistics they found on loneliness and depression. And so I want to read that for us. This is what it says. It says, in our recent national survey of American adults, 36% of respondents reported severe loneliness, feeling lonely, quote, frequently, end quote, or quote, almost all the time or all the time, end quote, in the four weeks before the survey. This included 61% of young people ages 18 to 25 and 51% of mothers with young children. You're probably asking yourself, well, I'm not a mother with young children. Where does that stat come in? Because I would imagine that the, the, the mothers, young mothers, were the ones that are taking care of your toddlers for the most part, your babies, those kind of things, right? So I think there is a, there, there's a little bit of stress there when your children are always at home and not at school. (laughs) They go on. They say 43% of young adults reported loneliness increases since the pandemic outbreak. 
About half of the lonely young adults in our survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had, quote, taken more than just a few minutes, end quote, to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. And finally, they said young adults suffer high rates of loneliness, anxiety, and depression. And according to recent CDC surveys, 63% of this age group are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety and depression. Now, we have done collections on uh, anxiety and depression. We talked about it recently this past fall. And so I don't want to land too much on the reality of anxiety and depression, but I do think there is a correlation when it comes to connectivity in community by proximity. And so I want to read this in chapter two of Acts, uh, chapter two of Acts, starting in verse forty-two, and look at what the early church did, how the early church worked and moved in their community. Now it has been said. Um, that we are currently living in a pre-Christian generation. Which means a lot of the people that are that 18 to 26 category, and even those that are below 18, which are called Generation Alpha, if you're 18 to 26, you're probably living in what is known as the Generation uh, Z post, the Generation Z generation. And so... Alpha, Gen Alpha is behind you. The Millennials, Gen Gen Y is before you, and Gen X, and so on and so on. And so what that means is pre-Christian is just that your generation, Generation Z, if you're listening and you fit into that category, and then Generation Alpha, did not grow up either going to church or living in a household that is churched. Most of America, for the most part for their history, has lived in this nominal Christianity realm through moralistic efforts, through uh, church and you know all that different stuff. I don't have time to unpack the historicity of America when it comes to Christianity. And so now we're living in a pre-Christian generation and Acts chapter 2 is living in predominantly a pre-Christian generation. So this is what the book of Acts chapter 2 says. Knowing, keeping in mind, this pre-Christian generation, Christianity is not really a known religion. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily that were being saved. When I think about the early church, what separated the early church, these people that the writer of Acts is talking about, Paul, from the rest of their society, from the rest of their culture. What separated them from that is they had a community of people 
who shared things, who fellowshiped together, who ate together, who practiced their worship of God, not through the song. They learned how to do life together. They listened to the apostles' teachings. Uh, they did all of that stuff. They did it together. They shared what was in need. And that displayed a difference. It was countercultural to what was around them at the time. And so here we have a New Testament church who are sharing things together and they're building a community that was countercultural. Countercultural to the way the Romans did it, countercultural to the rest of the society. In fact, uh, again, you'll always hear me quote uh, Dr. Thomas Constable. Uh, I'm just a really big fan of his commentary. He says this about the early church in Acts chapter 2. He says, Two distinctive activities marked the fellowship of the early church. The breaking of bread is a term here probably included, which included the Lord's Supper, as well as eating meals together. Elsewhere, the phrase describes both an ordinary meal and the Lord's Supper. Probably these early Christians ate together and, as a part of the meal, or after it, used their common food, bread and wine, to commemorate Christ's death. So they got together. They ate a meal together. They shared in communion the Lord's Supper to build community, but also to connect with Jesus. And so I want us as a community of people, if you're listening to this and you're not connected into community, I need you to understand that one of the big pillars of the harbor and why we so much encourage you to get into community is because we want you to know that the harbor is about curating a community, not just creating a crowd. It's about curating a community of people that you can belong to, that you can believe in who Jesus is, that you can start to, uh, to live out the calling and the purpose of your life with Jesus. Not just creating a crowd for once a week of experience, and then you leave more starved the, uh, throughout the rest of the week, and you have to depend on the crowd, depend on the gathering to be fed. Now, we want you to be a part of a group of people that can share uh, their life struggles. They can learn about Jesus as they navigate life. And so we desire for you to be a part of that. Listen, crowds are great. I'm not hating on crowds. I, I work in church life. We are technically dependent on a crowd to come every Sunday so we can, number one, preach the gospel, but number two, so that we can continue in the mission. So I'm not against crowds. There's, listen, there's nothing more incredible. There's no greater feeling at times than to be filled with a room of people who are singing and worshiping and gathering together for Jesus. Man, it's incredible. But oftentimes, the way the church can be set up is that you can hide in a crowd. That you can walk into a church building, especially if it's a mega church, a big church, you can walk into this building and you can sit in the back row and you don't have to really participate in the Sunday morning experience. You can sing your songs and you can learn scripture and then you can leave and not ever know anybody. I don't believe when you look at the early church in Acts chapter 2, that's the way it was. It wasn't intended to just be that. It wasn't intended to to go into a room and to, to be hidden. 
You are to be in a room and to be found. First found by Jesus and found by others. And if there's anything that I've kind of learned about your generation, Generation Z, that 18 to 26 generation, is that, yeah, you guys struggle with loneliness. There is no doubt about that. But how much of our loneliness is because we want to be hidden from everybody else? We don't want to bear the responsibility of being found in community because if we're found in community, then we have to share the things of our life. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe you're like, no, Chris, I want to be hidden. I don't want to uh, be known in a church. Maybe you have church hurt. Can I just say, listen, I I feel you. I've been there as well. I've experienced church hurt in my life. But at the moments that I've been found, I've been connected into community. And there are people across our ministry, there are people across our church that will say that when they connect into a community, when, when, we, when the church starts curating a community, they feel found. They feel like they've built long-lasting relationships. They feel like they have friendships. They feel connectivity and their loneliness dec- decreases. And so I want you to be found. I want you to find your people because found people end up finding people for Christ. We want you to grow in a group. You may graduate from USF. You may graduate from another college, but you may never graduate from your group. Why? Because there's always growth in a group. There's deep connection that allows you to go through life with people linked up with you to help you navigate the reality of life. We want you to know the harbor is about curating a community, not just creating a crowd. And I want you to be in community. I want you to be found. I want you to feel as though you belong. Well, that was our um, discussion on Tuesday night of this past week. And again, as we took a break from our refocus series, we'll pick that back up coming up uh, in the next episode. But uh, again, I can't encourage you enough. I can't implore you enough to get in community. If you're not connected into a community group, man, I, I can't encourage you enough to get connected. Hey, a couple things coming up on the docket we just want you to know about. Um, hey, we're going to do a mission trip coming up in July. And so we're going to actually head to New York. Uh, there's a camp up in New York that serves that part of the country. And uh, if you know anything about uh, the Northeast, it can be a spiritually dark place. And so we want to go and serve that uh, community up there. And so if that's something that's interested, you're going to have more details on our Instagram about that. And then also we're going to throw a party uh, February 12th. For the big game, I cannot say what that game is, but there's a big game happening that day. And so we'd love to host you here at the Harbor uh, starting at 6 p.m. And so um, put that on your calendar as well. Hey, we love you. We love you so much. Thanks for taking time to listen and we'll catch you next time. I'm out.